Purdue fans, this is Johnny DeCamp bringing you play-by-play -play the Rousey. Everybody, Rousey. along with Ron Kramer, this is Pete Van Weeren welcoming you to ross Aid Stadium. Live from ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's a football Saturday in West Lafayette, Indiana, and one of the biggest home games in decades. Boilermakers rush the field. What a night in West Lafayette. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue Football in the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. Welcome back to the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. I'm Corey Palm. He's Tim Newton. As we uh, we're coming to the close of what's been a, a lot of fun, I think Tim uh, recounting some really really fun times uh, held in uh, in Raw Sage Stadium as we celebrate its 100th season. Uh, this year, uh, have you had fun? It's been a lot of work. I have, have and, and shockingly, the Boilermakers have gone undefeated in this series. So, I, can we continue it for another? I don't know, two, three, four, five years. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm game as long as we can keep getting guests. <laughs> That's really the thing. Uh, we've got a good guest for you uh, here today. Um, you guys know the rules. You've been watching all season long, so I'm not going to waste any time with that. Thank you for watching yeah. all season long. Tell we, your friends. Tell your friends. Bring them along. Send them links. Uh, uh, go go to your local Indiana Ford dealers uh, while you're at it. Our, our our sponsor that we we really appreciate their support this season with the the greatest games podcast today we're talking about our our second game from the 2021 season uh last week we talked with george Karloftis about the opener against oregon mm -hmm. state um today we are going to have aiden o'connell joining us uh, live from well not live on tape from Las Vegas. Live on tape. Live on tape uh, from Las Vegas to, to dissect the uh, upset of number three Michigan State. That's what we're going through this week. And uh, uh, that was a great game. Um, I, I know personally I had family in town cheering for Michigan State. That was really a lot of fun to be able to to celebrate in their faces that night. Um, Tim, it was the second top five upset for the Boilermakers that season. Um, just as you look at 2021 as a whole, uh, what what uh, comes to mind from that team and from those moments? Well, those two games right off the bat, the, the top five wins. And anytime you rush the field, the fans get on the field after a game, you know it's going to be a special memory for quite a few people. Uh, of course, then, you know, the way the, the bowl season finished up with another fantastic yeah. finish. Um, but this was a team that just persevered um, all season long. They found a way and uh, Aiden O'Connell, who will be our guest later on, um, maybe one of the great stories in the 100 years of Purdue football yeah. at ross Aid Stadium because here's a guy that, as we know, was an eighth-string backup walk-on quarterback when he started and wound up not only starting at Purdue but now is starting in the National Football League. And that's a – it's a real – is it true – with all apologies to Bill Murray, it's a real Cinderella story. <laughs> Absolutely. His only real offer coming out of high school was was Wheaton College yeah. to go play Division III uh, football with his brother. And uh, he he was fine with that until he got the opportunity to, to try out to maybe be a walk-on at Purdue. You know, the funny thing, I, I talked to Brian Brom a few years ago, a couple of years ago about Aiden, and I asked him, where did you find this guy? And, of course, he had gone to a quarterback camp up in the Chicago area, and so the, the guy that ran the camp highly recommended him because he saw the talent that he had. But you kept hearing, it, we, it was David Blau, it was Elijah Sindelar, they kind of went back and forth. But you kept hearing about this guy, O'Connell, and yeah. I would hear it from some of the players, like, 
this guy has got as good an arm as anybody there and can make all the throws. And then you wonder, you know, is this going to be like another spring game warrior where right. you, know, you have these spring game all-stars that, that are playing against the third and fourth string defense, and, and that's, their, that's the high point of their career. But you just keep hearing more and more about it. And, and Aiden just eventually, that one season, just worked his way up the ladder as, as one injury and one injury and somebody leaves the team. And now all of a sudden, you get thrown into a game against Nebraska and you've got to go down and lead the team to touchdown drives to win. And, and that's where the legend started. It, it absolutely was. Uh, he got his first career start the following week uh, in Evanston, which right. is you know, 15, 20 minutes from where he grew up. It was, it was truly a, a storybook, yeah. uh, a fairy tale story. And, and the Boilermakers get the, the late win there against the Wildcats. Um, I think where it really solidified for me, like you say, hearing the rumblings, um, take you behind the curtain a little bit, when, when – Players are going to the NFL, and they have their pro day on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a wide receiver, you have to run routes. You right. have to have someone throw you the ball. Well, if there's no quarterback that's graduating and going to the draft as well, you've got to find a quarterback. Rondell Moore yeah. made no bones about who he wanted throwing him balls that day, and it was Aiden O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a guy that can make all the throws, and he's always had that ability. The only knock on Aiden, as we know, is he's he's not going to win any sprints. He's not the world's fastest guy, but he's got a pocket presence. He can feel pressure coming. We saw that in college. We're still seeing it in the NFL. And you know, he's a guy that has the brains and has the skills. As he, if he can stay healthy, I think he's got a chance to have a long NFL career. I really hope so. I want that for him uh, because he's he's put in so much work and and kept the uh, faith in himself and and belief that that it can be achieved. And we have a, a really great conversation yes. with, with Aiden coming up. One of the true power couples, too, in Purdue history yeah. because Aiden wound up meeting and marrying J.L. Johnson, who is a standout middle blocker for Dave Shondell and the volleyball team. And so uh, that's another another Cinderella story uh, <laughs> that, uh, that has had a happy ending. They, they, uh, they live with their dog out in Las Vegas, and uh, uh, we do have it on good authority that she no longer makes uh, – Sweet baked goods for the team. Uh, now that uh, now that it's not a bunch of broke college kids. Yeah. If if she'd like to, she can continue to do that. You and I would certainly enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's probably. Uh, I think they have enough nutritionists on staff. Yeah. The Raiders. They probably don't don't encourage that sort of thing. That's true. My my wife wouldn't encourage it either. So let's get to the game, Tim. Uh, uh, the Boilermakers come into November in kind of a weird spot mm-hmm. in 2021. They got the big win at Iowa and then fell flat the next week against Wisconsin with a, with a chance to really make some national noise for the second week in a row. It just didn't happen against the Badgers. You know, when you say they fell flat against Wisconsin, you can take out the year because that <laughs> just seems to be a recurring thing here over the last 20 years. But you're right, a very disappointing game. And you wondered which Purdue team would show up to take on a Michigan State team that was talking about possibly being in the college football playoff. They were 6-0 in the, at the time. They were ranked number three largely because they had just beaten number six Michigan. Um, Kenneth Walker III was in his only year uh, in East Lansing, and it, at this moment in time, probably the Heisman frontrunner, mm-hmm. if not, uh, I mean, definitely top three, probably yeah. probably the number one candidate nationwide. He was having a stellar season. Yeah. And uh, you just, like you said, you wonder which, which Purdue team's going to show up, uh, which Michigan State team are we going to see. It was the week that they extended uh, now former coach Mel Tucker, uh, which – 
is another story for another time. But uh, yeah, uh, the Boilermakers win the opening, uh, the coin flip. They mm-hmm. defer to the second half, which is my belief that you should always defer to the second half. Uh, it, it worked out just like it was supposed to. Uh, Michigan State fumbles on their first drive. Purdue goes down the field, takes the early lead. Yeah, and, and in a game like that, you want to establish you, – you want to get the crowd into it, and mm-hmm. certainly the crowd was all revved up and ready to go. And you get off to a quick start, and now the crowd really gets excited, and, and you start to think maybe this is our day. There you go. Uh, O'Connell 5 for 6 on the drive, found David Bell for the touchdown. Michigan State tied it up. Um, and, and then Purdue goes back on top with a short – well, a quick – touchdown drive, I should say. Aiden goes three for three for 66 yards and uh, finds Brock Thompson for the score, 14-7 Purdue. Um, He finds, in one of the craziest plays that I can recall, uh, Jackson Anthrop for the third touchdown of the first half. You know, you ask about what I remember about that 2019 season, certainly the, or 2021 season, sorry, uh, certainly the two wins over the top five teams, but the play, yeah. the play of 2021, uh, taking out the bowl game, because that, we, you know, we could have a whole <laughs> there series were of that. Six the was plays that The one. trick play uh, that wound up being a reverse and a pitch back and, and the most deftly designed screen pass you've ever seen. And Jackson Anthrop starts on the left sideline, and he works his way all across the field to the right sideline. Uh, a 40-yard touchdown pass that probably took 20 seconds to do, uh, and it was the crowd went absolutely crazy when he when he leapt into the end zone. They did 21-7 Purdue at that point, and uh, uh, we talk a lot in sports about belief. Uh, I'm not sure what the sidelines was feeling at that moment, but 56,000 Purdue fans in the stands believed in that moment that this upset was going to happen. You know, and I think one of the keys of that game, you talked about Purdue getting off to a quick start, and you talk about Kenneth Walker. Uh, this was a team you did not want to play from behind against yes. because they'll just ground and pound you, as Wisconsin has done seemingly every <laughs> year now for how many, uh, however many years. But the fact that Purdue got a lead and were able to play from ahead most of the day. Now, Michigan State eventually did tie it up early in the third quarter, but then Purdue got the momentum right back and – Uh, We talk about that play, but David Bell, along with Aiden O'Connell, had a spectacular day for the Boilermakers. He did. Well, uh, David Bell's final stats on the day, I have them here if I can find through my chicken scratch. 11 catches, 217 yards, and just one score, which is is pretty rare for him. But, uh, yeah, he was all world that day. And and somehow – as open on some of those plays, you know, you would think the defense is going to know where number three is. They did not know where number three was because there were a couple catches he had. He didn't. He had a five-yard radius around him, which there, was really amazing. It was the, the one play I remember from that day was it, it was a, a short, I, I think, an out route to, to Bell. He was going full speed toward the sidelines, makes the catch, throws on the brakes. Yeah, three defenders go flying by. He somehow is able to keep his momentum or stop his momentum, keep his balance, and then proceed to go up the sideline for another 25 or 30 yards. Right in front of the Michigan State yes. sideline. You wonder what their coaches were thinking <laughs> they at that wanted point. To reach this out. is not going to be our day. <laughs> reach out and <laughs> grab him. Um, you said MSU tied it up at 21. That was after Purdue got the second-half kickoff, like yeah. we always say, defer, and then fumbled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so 21 all early, about midway through the third quarter. 
that was the only drive in the second half Purdue didn't score points on. And uh, that's another thing. If you want to pull an upset for the, for the ages, you need, to, you need to make sure that every drive ends in something positive, yeah. and, and it certainly did. But the good news is at that point the defense solidified, got yeah. the ball back to the offense, and then the offense did what it had been doing all day, and that's moving the ball. Absolutely. Uh, Mitchell Finneran. Uh, was heard from several times there in the second half, like four field goals, uh, I believe, and, and including two or three that were that were inside the red zone. And if you're a Purdue fan, you're thinking, man, seven would have sure have been nice. But again, three is is enough sometimes. You know, Mitchell Fennerin had a spectacular career here, and, and that season he had one or two games where he slumped. And it was right, it was fairly early, almost in the midpoint of the season. Other than that, he was fantastic on the front end. He was fantastic on the back, and he kicked the game-winning field goal in the in the bowl game. Yep. But he was a guy that, especially especially from 40 yards in, he was pretty much automatic. He was, uh, and he was he was automatic that day. Uh, the Boilermakers went from up seven to up ten to up thirteen before. Uh, Diedrich Mackey made a made a spectacular inter, uh, interception right at the goal line uh, late in the game, which, which interestingly enough, there's I believe it was the fourth quarter at that point. Mackey made that perfect break on the ball and, and picked off Peyton Thorne's pass. But now the Boilermakers have the ball on the goal line, mm-hmm. 99 yards away, and yeah. and what's Aiden do? He comes out back shoulder. Uh, pass to David Bell for 19 yards. Give yourself some breathing room. Boilermakers drive the ball 93 yards down the field before ending in another field goal on extending that back to a two-score lead. Yeah, talking about the most spectacular play was probably the screen pass that they threw to Jackson Anthem for the touchdown. Maybe the most important play was the throw you just mentioned because if Purdue has to punt the ball away, Michigan's a touchdown and a two-point conversion away from tying it. And then now you, you don't want to get into overtime with a team that can run the football like yeah, they can. Yeah. And, and so huge play for Aiden, huge play for David Bell, and, and who else would you go to in yeah. that situation? <laughs> that's that's my uh, 10 out of 10. I'm going to David Bell. He's my favorite receiver of all time. Uh, I think he's in the conversation for best Purdue receivers ever. That's a long and complicated conversation. That's next year's podcast uh, series. Yes. <laughs> just giving you an idea there. I love it. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, Purdue on the day, uh, they close it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, another field goal. Michigan State doesn't really do anything late. Yeah. The defense answers the call, and and the field is stormed. Let the carnage and the chaos continue. Another top five team goes down. Purdue on the day. Eight drives covered 50-plus yards. It was a whole lot of ball control, uh, clock main, like clock management, it, it, and it was just it was kind of the perfect offense for uh, for the Brom uh, approach to football, and, and Eden delivered perfectly. They flipped the script on the Spartans. Yes, the, the Spartans were a ball control team. Hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker, control the clock, play great defense. Tables were turned that day. Purdue held the ball. Purdue had the long drives. Uh, Walker got his yards, but really never broke free in the game yep. where he was dominating the game. And it was Purdue's offense that really uh, had the day on, on that that afternoon it, and it, evening. And evening and into the night. Uh, Aiden O'Connell finished forty of fifty-four for five thirty-six. Uh, and three scores. Those are video game numbers. They really are. When you're going to complete 70-plus percent, almost 80 percent of your passes, 
boy, it's going to be hard to beat. When you put a $5 bill on the table in that yardage, that, that's a big day. Yes, it that's is. That's a big, big day. It's, it's happened a few times in Purdue history. Um, it, it, oddly enough, in the history of college football, there's a lot of schools where that's never happened mm-hmm. before. It's happened maybe one time. It's, it's, Purdue's had some prolific passers come through the cradle of quarterbacks, yes. and, and Aiden is as good as most of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and as good as he was on the field, and he oh. was great, um, what person would you want to represent your university more than Aiden O'Connell? He's, um, he's the All-American guy. He is. He is. And uh, we are going to, uh, well, we're going to step aside and bring him back after the break uh, when uh, see what the All-American guy is up to right now, uh, right after this. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue football. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. Joined now by Aiden O'Connell, the the man who led that uh, well that series of upsets in 2021 and uh, on on the way to a fantastic historic Purdue football season. Uh, Aiden, starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, really appreciate you finding some time for us here. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. So that game, um, you guys had so many great moments with the, the win at Iowa, uh, the win against Michigan State, the bucket game's always a big one. Um, and, and then, of course, the uh, the Music City Bowl that year. When you think of the game against the the third-ranked Spartans, what's the, what's the lasting image for you? Yeah, I think, you know, it was kind of a perfect night for us. We were hitting on all cylinders. And I think, honestly, I remember us, I think it was 40 to 29 was the final. I think we could have scored a, a, a few more touchdowns. Um, I remember missing TJ Sheffield in the end zone um, on a, uh, like a fake screen and um, he was running down the seam. But it was a really, really fun night. Um, you know, our offense played really well. Defense played really well. It's really a complimentary game. Aiden, you sound like a fisherman there. You had 500, what, 536 yards? Uh, but you're talking about the one that got away. It's still yeah. a pretty good, pretty good afternoon and night. It was good. It was good. It could have been better, but yeah, I, I won't complain about that. Yeah, like Tim said, uh, 40 of 40 of 54 on the day. It was your most prolific performance here at Purdue, and that's that's really saying something. Um, what was there something special about Michigan State their uh, their defense that day? Were they were they taking things for granted or was, was everything just sort of clicking for you guys? You know, I think uh, we were, we were just playing really well. You know, we obviously had David Bell, we had Milton Wright and we had a lot just a lot of really good players. And so when you have good players it normally it makes my job a lot easier is just getting them the ball in space. I think David had like 240 of those yards or something like that. So um, yeah, I, it, it made my job a lot easier when I had special players around me. You know, your story, Aiden, is being spread. We know it in Purdue country, but now it's being spread nationwide that you're the starting quarterback for the Raiders. And watching the other night, uh, they were talking about the here's a guy that was an eighth string walk on quarterback at Purdue and now is starting in the NFL. Have you ever let your mind drift to, hey, what if I had decided to go to Wheaton instead and not done this? And I don't get a chance to play at Purdue and I don't meet J.L. Johnson. And, you know, my <laughs> life is completely different. I mean, that's a pretty big fork in the road that you went through. It definitely is. And, you know, I think if I went to Wheaton, I, I think I would be enjoying life and um, would have a, gr- a great life still. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so um, obviously just super lucky to end up at Purdue is, um, you know, a lot of people pulling for me and helping me get there. And so 
um, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely happy with my decision. And like you said, I got to meet my, my wife and um, just a lot of great memories there. How beneficial was it for you with JL being a volleyball player herself, as you both went through the trials and tribulations that student athletes have to have that built in support system? Uh, you know, I think for her to understand the, the commitment that it takes um, to play collegiate sports, obviously she was a, a great player um, herself and um, was a big recruit and all that. So I think she understood. And even now she understands, you know, she has a, a background in um, sports and understands what it takes, you know, week in, week out, day in, day out. And so that's it's definitely very helpful. How uh, how much have you had to rely on or and been able to rely on your experience here at Purdue, the you know, coming up up the depth chart, fighting for a job, losing, you know, winning the job and then losing it the next year and, and getting it by injury, you know, it, finally grabbing hold, everything that you went through at Purdue, how much has that really aided your uh, your rookie season in the NFL? Yeah, I think, you know, everything happens for a reason, like I said. And I think, you know, smaller things prepare you for bigger things. I remember in high school, I didn't start until my senior year of high school. And so that was really hard for me at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I think at that time, I obviously didn't know what it was preparing me for, but knew it was preparing me for what I would go through at Purdue. And um, and so, you know, I think I was able to get some good experiences. And, you know, at the time, um, it was very hard. You know, I, I definitely um, wasn't enjoying all the aspects of being, you know, pretty low on the on the depth chart and the totem pole. But, um, you know, I think it it kind of made me who I am today. And so I, I look back and be, can be grateful for it. Uh, you have found out about the business side of the NFL pretty quickly. Your your head coach was fired earlier in the season and new guy comes in and immediately says that you're the starting quarterback. What was that transition like uh, in the middle of the season for you? Yeah, I was lucky to have one coach at Purdue. And I was like I said, I was there for a long time. I was there for six years. And so I think I was um, super fortunate to have continuity with coaching staff. And so to have a change this early on in my career was um, a shock, especially um, in the middle of the season. But, um, you know, you just try to take um, what you can from it. I'm still learning. I'm still forming my opinion of what the NFL is. And so um, it's definitely been crazy, but you take it one day at a time. I think each day has enough of its own um, to worry about. So you try to take it one day at a time and, and go from there. What's been your favorite thing about uh, about the NFL? The thing that maybe surprised you most? Uh, no school. <laughs> Honesty, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that one's not that one's not going in the Purdue promo video. By the that's, way, that's only Tim. That's only after I graduated from Cranford, though. I loved Cranford. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and we thank you for that. Well, yeah. talk about though the preparation that you have to put. You did a lot of film watching when you played at Purdue. Yeah. Uh, does the NFL different level and what is your typical work week like yeah it's it's definitely more you know i you you're able to spend a lot more time with your coaches and in the facility obviously because you don't have the um academic responsibility and um you know all, all jokes aside i love my my academic time at purdue and um you know it, it really taught me i think you know that that was a whole different ball game of having to go to class all day and study and make sure you're up to speed on that but then going to turning the page and going to practice and now it's it's all football all the time and so um, there is a part of me that misses, you know, having that, that little break of, um, being able to do academic work. And, um, so it's, it's definitely a, a new challenge. The work week is, is heavy. The Wednesday and Thursday for us are our big days where I'm at the facility for the majority of the day. And then Friday is a little bit lighter. And then Saturday we're either 
doing meetings and walkthroughs here or traveling and doing the same and then play Sunday and then um, a little quieter earlier in the week. But it's it's a similar schedule to Purdue in terms of what each day is, is laid out as. It's just what I'm doing during the day um, is a little different. I would imagine. I would imagine. So uh, it, maybe a slight upgrade in, in living conditions with that, uh, with that <laughs> uh, active roster money, hopefully. Uh, a little bit. I we loved our spot at Purdue, though. You know, we were especially my last year. We were just married, so any anything was was good enough for us. So, but yeah, it's it's good to um, get a little more space. That's good. Well, you, you talked about the the balance that that JL helped give you when you were a student at Purdue. How does that translate now? She probably sees less of you now, I guess, maybe than she did when you were students there. She did. She definitely does. Um, and that's that's harder. You know, I think we got to spend more time um, last fall, which which was awesome. But, um, you know, it's been a, a, been a little harder, especially when we first got here and we didn't know anybody. And, as, you know, we're both born and raised in the Midwest and we're out west for the first time. And so um, it's definitely an adjustment period. But she's been getting to know the different wives and the girlfriends on the team. And that's been huge for her. So, um, you know, I think her getting to meet people and um, getting you know plugged in with our church and things like that have, have been huge for us um, we're trying to finally get some roots down here um, you know it's we definitely still m miss our friends at Purdue um, but yeah she's been so supportive she does all the grunt work you know we we moved our entire lives out here I think people just think it's you know you just go play football but you know there's there's all the things that come with that and she basically did it all by herself um, because I had to focus on football so I I appreciate her so much. She's done so much for me already and, and really continues to do so on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, I was going to ask how a good, clean, all-American kid like Aiden O'Connell adjusts to life in Sin City. What's it like <laughs> in Las Vegas? Yeah, we're not we're not uh, near the Strip by any means. We're out out in the in the suburbs, so um, it's nice to, to be away from. It's fun to go down there for the game and um, to, ha to have, you know, the fan support and everything. But, yeah, we like to, like, like you said, we're a little more low-key. It's great to hear. I know I know that's not at all a surprise, by the way. Um, it's cool to hear that you guys have decided to to move your lives out west. You know, uh, some people do do the transient thing where they maybe rent a, an apartment for for six months wherever they're playing because they don't know where they're going to be next year. But you, you guys have kind of gone the other route and, and committed to uh, embracing the community, it sounds like. Yeah, we you know, we. Uh obviously the NFL is it's crazy you could be anywhere any week and so um, you have to be smart and with your decision making in terms of where you live and stuff um, but you know we, we also hope to be here for a little while and so want to try to plant some roots like we said um, but you know it's it's it is definitely just different you know we'll be done here in a couple months and we'll have a few months where I got no responsibilities here so it's it's not like the Purdue offseason it's going to be a lot different. So we're, like I said, we're definitely still in the figuring it out stage. I imagine You're that honeydew list is growing for the off season. That's right. Say it again. That honeydew list is probably growing for the off season. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. A uh, day at a time, it seems like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely growing. Yeah. I was going to say Aiden, that the senior season you had at Purdue had its ups and downs and, and it had an injury that I think was probably a lot more serious than, than you and other people let on. And, you had a family tragedy. How how did your faith, which I know you've been very reliant on, help you through that and then help you into this transition now into the NFL? Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. It, it definitely was a, a hard year last year on, on multiple accounts. Um, you know, I think a lot of unexpected things. And then obviously at the end of the year was super unexpected um, and then really have just been going ever since. And so it's been it's been really hard to try to adjust and, um, you know, just try to like you said, rely on my faith. I think 
Um, I keep saying that everything happens for a reason and, um, you know, we, we miss, uh, Sean a lot and, uh, but we're, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at, uh, God or anything like that. I don't, you know, think he shorted me or anything like that. I think, um, everything he does is good and he does it for a reason that I can't understand, but, um, I know he knows and he knows a lot more than I do. And so I try to rely on that, that truth that, you know, I, I tell myself and others tell me. And so, um, it, it's the only reason I'm still going if, if I wasn't, said before, I, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't think I'd still be playing football. I think I would have gone crazy by now. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still going. And um, at this point, I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can. You know, if, um, football is, is definitely hard, but, um, you know, the struggles in football, that's, that's, if that's the hardest part of my life right now, I've, I've got a pretty good life. So you guys play the uh, Chiefs here in a few weeks. Um, do, you got, do you have a something worked out with George that he's not going to hit you from the blind side? I hope so. I mean, I haven't talked to him. I don't think he's going to offer that up. But, uh, you know, I always thought during practice, I'm so happy that I don't have to get tackled by that guy. And now I do. So, <laughs> you know, Aiden, it's been a lot of fun going through this uh, Ross State's Greatest Game series uh, uh, this past year. And, and through the research, we've your name's popped up quite a lot. One one uh, one that stands out for me is kind of when you when you debuted uh, 2019 against Nebraska. You came on in relief and uh, and and pitched. Well, just to to follow the metaphor all the way through, pitched a couple perfect innings to uh, to get the win over the Huskers. Uh, how special was that first action that you got to see? That and 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 sort of, you know, how much did that early success help you later on? Yeah, it definitely was. You know, it's super hard when I remember when I played, I was it was so bittersweet because I have still have a great relationship with Jack Plummer and um, the, even Elijah and the guys in, in front of him. And so when, when you're a quarterback and you play and you started low on the depth chart, it usually is bittersweet because it normally means people are leaving or getting hurt. And so um, I knew when I, when I came in, I wanted to take full advantage of the opportunity and try to um, as best I could. I remember that that was a, a super fun day against Nebraska. I remember Drew Brees was there and everything and, um, so it was, you know, that is a great memory that I had. I remember, um, even that was early on in me and, um, jail that we were dating and, uh, my dad was there. And, um, so it was just, you know, a lot of good memories. And then the, the week after in Evanston. And so, um, yeah, the first few games in the 2019 season, I guess the last games that I got to play were, um, very exciting. Um, but, you know, I think I just tried to go in and, um, I think if it, a very real sense at that point in my life was fake it till you make it. Cause I didn't know if I ever was going to play or how, how it would go. And so I was trying to act confident and like I knew what I was doing, but I, I don't think I did. So I uh, was just trying to figure it out as I went. You mentioned Jack Plummer. You got, you got six years in at Purdue. He's still playing collegiate <laughs> yep. football. Yep. You got, you yeah. Got, are you still in contact with him at all? I am. I am. I talk to him a lot, actually. He's a, like I said, a great friend. I, I love, he's, killing it they're nine and one they're having a great season and so it's been really fun to watch him I think you know he's he deserved a season like that uh, where they had a lot of success so it's been awesome to watch yeah that was that's such an interesting I, I love that you guys are still close because you know truth of the matter is he he left because he knew he was going to need to do that in order to to start and and it didn't quite work out like I know he imagined it Cal but to to get this this chance I, I think it's it's cool to hear People don't understand, you know, the, the quarterback room is very small. It's half a dozen guys, yeah. not only a small room. Like you guys have to, you have to have good relationship with each other. Otherwise life would be miserable, right? Right. 
Yeah, I think you you know you meet with them, you lift with them, you do all the all season stuff. You know, you go to practice, you're talking, communicating with them, and so you you kind of can't help but you know become friends with the guys around you. And I think yeah, the people from the outside see it as a lot more cutthroat than that, but in reality, it's it's really just um, you know friendships that you know are just kind of in a weird situation sometimes. But um, it's yeah, it's been awesome to really just even over the last couple of years to stay in touch with Jack and um, yeah, that's great. Well, it, your dog, your dog has been very, very well behaved, uh, and I'm not sure he, he is it a he or she, by the way. It's a she. I'm sorry, I didn't know if he or she had a little dinner, and she's been ringing the bell a little bit. I don't know if you guys could hear, but she's she's doing okay. She, I think she's uh wants to be on camera, so she's that's how she goes. There you go. <laughs> she's welcome well, to join you. If, absolutely, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Playing with her toy. Was it was this a dog you brought with you, or did, did you get this dog out in Vegas? Uh, we got this dog midway through the season last season, um, actually. So talk about a, a crazy season. We were on the fifth floor of our apartment building, and we got a puppy in the middle of October. So that was uh, maybe a little too impulsive by us, but we made it work. Again, mainly JL made it work. So it, it was, a, I would say, a team effort, but it was mostly her. So, <laughs> As most uh, great relationships, it's the story of most great marriages right there. The, the, yeah, exactly. We're falling in line. Makes it work, yep. Uh, yeah. Does she does she still bake things for uh, for the team? She does not. Yeah, we haven't continued that. I think you know our food here is so good. I think it would be hard to to keep the standards. We we're super blessed with the re really good chefs and everything at the facility. So she hasn't continued that. Maybe maybe next year uh, we'll see. But um, I try to not tell her not to bake as much as possible, just to keep it away from me. <laughs> smart smart move for her to tap out when she can. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Nah, we really appreciate it. Thanks again. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's 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 memory lane still, even if it was just a few years ago. And and it's always great catching up with you. Yeah, no, we miss you guys, and um, it's fun to talk to you guys. Um, hope to see you guys soon. For sure, great to see you again. Boiler up, Aiden. Yeah, boiler up, hammer down. <laughs>